Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the LPN Show. Recorded both in Los Angeles and New York City. We're just, you know... I'm here to hang out. Have a good time. All right. I'll talk to y'all after a while. Hey, what's up, everyone? How you doing? Ben Kissel here. This is the LPN Show. I am honored to have with me today my man, Dan Soder. You might recognize yeah. his sweet voice from the bonfire on Sirius Radio or his wonderful face from the hit show Billions. My man, Dan Soder. Oh, man. Henry's mom loves me on Billions. <laughs> he wrote that on Instagram. And I was like, what's up, Mrs. Zabrowski? You and Jack here. Yeah, thank you for making Henry and Jackie. Oh, Henry Thomas, you should have been more like Dan Soder. He's so yeah, funny dude. and sweet. Let me tell you what Billions does. It gets uh, my friend's parents on the bandwagon. <laughs> and then they watch my stand-up and then they're like, I don't like that. Yo, I don't bro. like that. I like, him. I like him when he's a sweet boy on Billions. When I do my corny-ass shit on TV news, that's exactly what happens too it's for the it's for the grandparents and for the parents yeah and then they can be like oh you know yeah you know that idiot that you listen to on the podcast i saw him on fox news and exactly you know and then they call me an idiot again yeah you, you're doing the fox <laughs> news for the grandparents they don't want to hear the joseph mangala last <laughs> podcast on the left episode that's a four-part heartbreaker exactly they don't get into that. that was freaking brutal What's what's funny though is uh, you know I don't listen to podcasts I just don't I um I think you know when you're around comedy and shit like that it's oh, like dude. I barely watch stand up I'll watch like you know maybe I want to say five specials a year that's the thing man I mean no one really understands it ruins it for you like if you're a lifeguard do you still go to the beach on the weekend <laughs> like yeah. I don't know like when you're in the restaurant business the last thing you want to do is go chill at Applebee's. Sure. It ruins the idea of going to relax and watch some comedy. Yeah, even thinking about that, like a chef, you're right. Like, would a chef want to go out to a restaurant and be taken away with, like, how he's like, nah, dude, I'm focusing on how their fucking back of house doesn't have this. You know what I mean? Exactly. They're checking for ramekins. They're not even checking about how the service was. <laughs> but that being said, there's two podcasts that uh, I love. I play um, NCAA college football 2014 on Xbox 360 because it's the Whoa. last year there was the last year they're able to make it and it's just my favorite video game to kind of turn my brain off because I've been playing it for so long yo dude I've been going crazy on Madden 2020 but aren't they bringing back they're bringing back the NCAA games though right because now these players can actually make some cash off them that's the rumor that's the rumor so I, I better you know my thought process is I'll believe it when I see it yeah yeah just the way I'm excited of the rumors that AEW's wrestling video game is going to be the no mercy Mercy Engine from yeah. Nintendo 64, and that makes me be like, dude, if that is the fucking case, I'm not going to have a life if they come out with an AEW No Mercy blend video game. Yo, bro, I see you wearing that Kenny Omega shirt, and if, honestly, we'll talk about this on Kind of Fun, but that last pay-per-view Double or Nothing Part so 2, so crazy, fun, crazy. So fun. That entire Double or Nothing Part 2 was such a fun pay-per-view. But uh, what I was saying about NCAA college football is I play that video game, but I hate, just like when I play Madden, I hate the broadcasters. I hate right. the guys that are like, ah, this is a terrible play. Because if you play it a lot, you just hear, you know, there's only so many program lines in the game. They don't know what the hell they're talking about. Exactly. And I end up losing because I get mad at the broadcaster and then I'm like mad and I'm off kilter. It literally sounds like John Madden, Pat Summerall in their last year where yeah. they were commentating on a game from 1983. They would just copy and paste, and they were like, whatever. Talk about two old men just talking about the weather at the end of that career, where they were Love like, it's guys. 40, 35, John's asleep. <laughs> but this NCAA game, I love playing it. And so I started t muting the television, 
and I would listen to the first podcast I got into was Something to Wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. Okay, cool. Unbelievable. Just giving you like all the background. That was like really the first podcast that I got into. And then I was like, okay, cool. You know, I, I listened to, I still listen to it and I love it. But then there was an episode of last podcast on the left. And I was like, dude, I would love to hear those guys' podcast. And I got fucking hooked, dude. What was it? Was it was it just the dismantled voices of two thirty three thir- mid thirties men? It's weird coming into something your your friends make when they've already made it because it's already established. So what's great about that is I came into the Lobster Boy episode <laughs> and it was like <laughs> Everything you guys had everything worked out. Everything you know, the podcast was what it was. That's right. why when you guys went back and you were like, "We're going to redo Heaven's Gate," I was kind of like, "Well, I didn't even get to hear the first one, so this is just great for me because I'm hearing Heaven's Gate all over again, yep. or for the first time with you guys." But I, that's like, uh, I think that's a real good sign of you're making good shit when your friends who know you guys and we're not blown away by that get into it, and you're like, "This is fucking fun. This is a." Fun podcast. I would say the same for you. I can watch your stand up and not pull my hair out and gouge my gouge my eyes out. As, well, I appreciate uh, that. You know that, which is a big compliment. You know that is, man. That is Patrice O'Neill. One time I did this, um, this kind of like uh, it was kind of like a talent show, but it was all stand ups, and it was basically like, dude, are you talking about the thing at the uh, strip? W- at the strip, that was brutal. That wasn't a talent show. That was yeah. a takedown. Okay, yeah. so for those that don't know, stand up comedians are broke. And then their entire lives for the first 15 years are just them getting tore down by people who have a small amount of money. Yes. So this was a stand-up challenge. There was three hosts, one being Patrice O'Neill. I went there and I watched my friend. And I almost cried for him because Patrice was brutal. So I was on that that show. I was on that show. So what happened was I got a call from Big J. And I was at Gary Veter's bar show on 52nd and 2nd, and I was drinking beers. And Big J was like, hey, Dave Smith is supposed to do this show at the comic strip. For those that don't know, all of these are comedians. Yeah, these are these are all stand-up comedians. And so uh, Big J Okerson tells me, like, hey, you can go do this American Idol-like show at, at the comic strip. And um, if you do well, you can work there. And it was a club. It was a comedy club that I didn't work in New York City. So right. I was like... I've been trying to get into the strip. I would love to work there because it's it's a place to work. Yo, but keep in mind, folks, this has no indication of talent. The strip, and I don't, I mean, I don't really give a shit. So the strip yeah, sucked. The talent sucked. It was yeah. all like Vic Vic Benanucci talking Dude. about how like pasta was different in the eighties. It was the worst talent, and I think half of the people only got to perform because they were cleaning up the goddamn comedy club after hours. That's pretty much the truth. There was, <laughs> but the in in reality, the comic strip had like awesome comedians sprinkled in. Yeah. Because again, it's a stage, it's an audience. People want to work it. But as far as the whole lineup, you would see people where you'd be like, I didn't know that guy still did stand up. No, they and all like, have yeah. emphysema. They they're on stage yeah. with smokers' coughs. They might as well be bleeding profusely from one of the things that they're scratching on their arms it's a it's a real fucking scene so he tells me he's like listen the strip is doing this to like pass people do you want to do five minutes i was like who are the judges and he's like it's a uh, paul mercurio uh-huh. writer for the daily show i was yep. like all right who i know and he's like uh bobby kelly who i was opening for okay at the time when this happened, I was like his opener on the road. So, so you I was feel like, like yeah. you, you feel like you got a leg up. You know, these two yeah, dudes. It's all immediately. Good. I'm like, oh, that's a that's a home game. That's Bobby. Was Bobby going to shit on me? And then I'm like, well, you're the motherfucker that brings me on the road. <laughs> but uh, and then he's like, and Patrice O'Neill. And I had to tell Jay, I was like, um, hey, honestly, if if Patrice is like super mean to me, that could get me to quit stand up comedy. because <laughs> That's how much I respect him. That if he was like. You fucking suck. Yeah, I dude. Get, I would have to take a very honest, hard look at myself because this is 2011, so I'm dead broke. I have no money. Oh my god, yeah, we were all so dead broke. I made twenty thousand bucks for eleven years. I pulled in twenty two k at those Caminos. Baby, here. I could go for Let's a loan. <laughs> Let's do but it. This was peak Patrice too. This is elephant in the room. This yes. is like when Patrice could go on stage and sit on a fucking stool. Probably because he didn't want to stand for a couple hours because yeah. of the Beatus, the Diabetes. Yeah. But that dude ripped it, dude. That guy crushed in a way that 
is really unique because he would get everyone pit. He would always piss off someone and yeah, then make absolutely. them laugh within 45 seconds. And I'm like, how the hell is Jedi mind tricks this guy is doing? The greatest description I've ever heard of, and I didn't know Patrice. Uh, I'm just a massive fan of his. But the greatest description I heard when he died was that Colin Quinn said, right now up in heaven, Patrice is making half the room feel uncomfortable and the other half comfortable and then he's flipping it. Yep. And you're like, yeah, that's exactly what he did. He would do shit to get you. He, I, he's one of the greatest comedians of all time. I, I concur with that. A lot of pressure. And I go yeah. I go and uh, I go up to a bar on the Upper East that was on like 81st and 2nd. It was like just down the block from the strip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just do a couple shots and I drink a beer. And I'm like, all right, I, I got to go. And it was at midnight. The show was at midnight. And I was first on the show. Sherrod Small was hosting. Show's at midnight for Christ's sake. It's at midnight. And it, by the way, you're just using the audience from the 10 o'clock. There wasn't a reset and everything. They were just taking the crowd and it was So staying. you're the 205 live. If you ever go see Monday yes. Night Raw, they have like exactly. after three hours, they're like, and now it's time for 205 live. And I'm like, I am hammered. I'm already hung over. Can we just not? I high five Finn Balor. I don't want to fucking <laughs> stick around and watch people do double moonsaults. Um, so I go first and the crowd is like good because they're still – I think hot from the early show. So yeah. it was like, it's like a good set. And, um, Bobby, you know, was nice to me. And then Patrice was like, yo man, I don't laugh at stand up comedy anymore. I just don't. I've been around it too long. Right. He's like, but, but I see why people laugh at you. You're funny, man. And that sentence wow. to me was, that's the reason I brought up that story was that's like, when you say that to another comic, you're like, I actually like watching your stand up. You're like, I just know you've seen so much shit yep. that for you to be like, yeah, man, I, I, I enjoy this. It, it means a lot. It does. But you know, I have gone full circle when it comes to my um, one man entertainment or one woman entertainment. I like yeah. goofy, stupid shit now. I watch yeah. Carrot Top. I can watch Carrot Top now and just laugh my ass off. I'm like, I want stupid, goofy shit because what annoys me the most right now is pontification. Yes. Everyone is pontificating about all the world. And I'm like, I know you. You're 27 years old. I was you. You're broke. You have no idea yeah. what you're talking about. And that's why you're so confident because exactly. you don't know what you don't know yet. And I'm like, I can't. So I just want to watch you. I want to watch Gallagher throw fucking beans on a white sheet and be like there's mexico throw an avocado and be like yeah. that's california i yeah. want to watch the dumbest possible shit because that's what makes me laugh because that's where we belong that's what stand-up should be it's stupid i'm sorry Silly. not all of us not all of us can be dave carlin or dave carlin dave carlin not all of us can be dave not all of us it'd be funny if you said dan carlin like it's a history i think that was here's mixed. another thing I the russians that. were bogged down in the gulag now you're understanding dan savage dan carlin isn't that who does i think uh, it's a mixture of dave Meltzer. And Dan Carlin, and it became Dan, uh, yes, uh, but yes, George Carlin. We all can't be George Carlin, as you can tell. Well, that is, man. That was something that when I when I did the HBO special last year, I was kind of like, I don't, I want to, I want the silliest title possible. And HBO was like, what do you want to call your special? And I was like, butt munch. <laughs> I, really, I think that's really funny. And that would really like, people would be like, all right, I'm listening. What else yeah. is this? What? What? But they were like, no, we can't do that. And I was like, no, man, you guys are giving away these specials where there's these like pontificating titles where it's like, no, let me tell you something. Right. Like, I don't hear that right now. That's it's weird. You say that you like silly, weird shit, because I've noticed through this quarantine, all the TV that I'm watching is shit that I would never watch. I want it dumb. I want it all super dumb. Honestly, the one thing that I just love is when uh, when I watch just something that's just so awful. My girlfriend and I spend an entire day watching Lifetime movies, the rip from the headline series. Great. Give it to me. I want a boyfriend for Christmas. I want that. And I want by June, I want that boyfriend to be killing me. I want the whole thing. Let me tell you, there is a Rob Lowe movie out where he plays a Chicago cop named Dennis uh, Peterson. And it is well shot such a garbage piece of shit it's so much fun and it's fun to sit there and be like what are they doing what is this but i've been bouncing around just from shitty show to shitty show the donahy story it is a there is a made for tv movie about the the nba referee last name donahy blanking on the first name yeah i think it was pat donahy who it was the guy that 
He was the guy that gambled. The guy that gambled. He was fixing games, uh, shaving points. Super, super easy to do in basketball because these fouls are so subjective. It's like it's ridiculous. It's like an artistic painting from the from the eighteen yeah. hundreds or something. You see whatever you want to see, right? Yeah. There is an amazing movie, and I don't even know who's who's starring it. But if you can just find the Donahue biopic. It's the worst movie I have ever seen. I oh. cry laughing throughout the whole thing. That movie that hits that sweet spot where you can still watch it, but it, you know it's horrible, but it's it's just got that hook. It's hard to describe. Like Tommy was so accidentally did it with the room. Yes, that was the best case scenario of him just swinging so wildly off yes. that it fucking broke it and but made it into a classic. I mean, sometimes a foul ball will beam somebody in the head behind home plate, and you're like, well, that was more exciting than a home run. Donaghy, dude, there it is. I Hold on. NBA ref Tim Donaghy. Yep. That's what it is. I'm looking up, dude. Tim Donaghy biopic. I'm going to see where this is. You got to check this movie out. I rented it for like 20 bucks. It's very, it's, it's, it's an exclusive. Dude, for how much was it? It was expensive bucks? as hell. Is it called Inside Game? There it is. You got to watch it with a brain full uh, of edibles. Yeah. And yeah, it is dude. one of the funniest movies you'll ever see. I love that shit. Honestly, Kissel, you just got me to fucking, I'm so geeked up for tonight. Dude, you're going to love every second of it. I can't wait. I'm going to run out of this room when we're done doing the podcast. Like, I found gold to my girlfriend. I'm like, <laughs> we got something. We got something on the line. Oh, man, that'd be fucking great. That's what I'm loving right now, man. Just that corny stuff. But going back to what you were talking about, you reminded me of a little life story for me, too. Because, you know, when I got to New York, I got here July 24th, uh, 2006, 1500 bucks. All that money was gone. 750 for a security deposit, 750 first month rent. Dead broke day two. So I started working as a porter, bar back. Uh, and then I would lie to everyone and told, told them I could bartend, right? So I'm at this spot on 78th and 2nd, right near the strip. I lied to him. It's, it's an Irish place. I'm blanking on the freaking name right now. But I walk in on uh, on a Wednesday. I'm like, yeah, I can bartend. I was thinner then. I looked better. I had my black shirt on. They're like, man, he looks good. I had my favorite uh, manager at BBC's in Milwaukee, which is now closed down. I'd be like, yo, I'm a regular here, but I'm going to go to New York. Can you just, they're going to call you and ask if I've been a bartender before. Can you just tell them that I was? And yeah, he lied. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. The only reason they got the job is the bartender previously had to get fired immediately because she got hammered and fell asleep in the kitchen, and she was an alcoholic who couldn't cut it. Damn, wait, hold on. But just to make sure, to, to double back, you were a regular at a bar in Wisconsin, yeah. and they vouched for you that you bartended there. I was a great regular. Dude, that is prestige. <laughs> that is that is top-level regular. You have got to lie, lie, lie when you first get here. I had no safety. I'm not going back to Wisconsin. Wisconsin, I already pissed off so many people. I was one of those people where it's like, I'm going to New York, dang it. I'm going to make it. Dude, I'm telling you right now, we're exactly the same. I, my friend's brother-in-law was a chef at Dos Caminos, and he was like, I'd been a busboy from when I was 16 to, I don't know, 19 or some shit. Yeah. And I hadn't since, and he was like, he's got years of restaurant experience as a waiter, because they hired me in the Midtown Winter, and I had never opened a bottle of wine at a table. I had never done that, and they hired me, and I was like... So for those that don't know, Soder's about 6'3", six, 6'4", six, I'm 6'7", yeah. we're two goofy motherfuckers trying to do comedy. Oh, yeah. Uh, so my first night there, I, I was like, all right, I can pour some drink, I can pour some beers, I had no idea how to make drinks, everything was kind of slow. <laughs> yeah, but my, yeah. the dumbest thing I did was, I went home with all the ones. I didn't know you had to cash out the ones and oh. so i wake up and i got a pile of ones and the part and the owner called me what the fuck where's all the money i was like what are you talking about man i just took my tips anyway i bartended one more night i fucked up again and i was fired and i did that probably seven times i, I got the ones figured out but i just lied to every place and i was like yeah i can bartend i would work for two days they would realize i was full of shit and they would fire me but hey it worked out. That's exactly what comedy is, though. I remember the first gig I got at, uh, I started stand-up in Tucson, Arizona, and I would like work the club as an MC, and then finally they were like, hey, can you do 30 minutes at the casino as an opener? And I was like, yeah, easy. And I had maybe 10 minutes of comedy. Right, And I was right. like, yeah, dude, I can do that. And you just go up there and fucking <laughs> fail. And then they're like, oh, yeah. you can't do that. And you're like, I know, but give me that check. I made it. I made yeah. it to the light. Exactly. I got it all the way through. Once you fill the time, whatever you fill it with, it's done. I'll yeah, take dude. that money, please. I didn't realize when I first started doing feature work that I the thing that I did not like about stand up and what I love so much about podcasts 
is that you can be different every show. You can say different jokes. Yeah. It's very creative. Everything is like you, makes your brain continue to grow and move. Stand up, and this is not an insult at all, but there's a level of it's almost like um, autistic amount of focus. Like yeah. you have to have on like like our friend Mark Norman, who I love. Mark is incredible stand up. Yeah, but that dude is a technician. He goes sure. in and it is joke. You know, ex it's he's a brilliant joke writer. But you will see him ten out of ten. He will be doing. He, he sticks to who he is on stage. Yeah, and and that always kind of made me a little bit bored. So the first time I was kept, I, I was featuring, I kept on trying to add new stuff, and I realized. The 20 minutes I had that they saw was all I had. Yeah, <laughs> it yeah, was horrible. Like, you play the time that you brought into this thing. <laughs> Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I would look at it like uh, we're both professional wrestling fans and i would say that like uh you know you do have your technicians that can just do it over and over and over again but then there's guys that are great at like freestyling that can yes. just like that can do moves but also bring in new stuff like uh like nakamura yeah well, dude i like oh yeah in, in wrestling, in wrestling nakamura, yeah, absolutely in wrestling or kenny omega like the shirt i'm wearing like oh there's there's God. guys that are that are great at kind of going off the cuff i think Jericho's amazing oh, at it so good. but then in stand-up there are those people like that like stan hope I'm sure works a bit, and by the time it's done, I just watched his new hour, and it's fucking unbelievable. Doug Stanhope is one of the sweetest men I've ever met. Speaking of fanboys, I was at a place called Anopa in Milwaukee, and this is when I was just getting into stand, maybe 2003, and yeah. uh, I was just like, oh my God, Doug's coming. It was just a little rock venue. At the time, I was like, this place is big. It probably only held 50 people, yeah. and I waited there all day. I got there at one. I'm getting fucking hammered, and all of a sudden, Stanhope shows up with his... I'm going to say eclectic group of roadies and friends. Yeah, I think and, that was during the Unbookables tour. Yeah, so you dude, probably it, saw a lot of fucking it, fringe people. It was unreal. And so I'm already hammered. I'm like, Mr. Stanhope, I'm a huge fan of your work. Um, I've just, I've been here all day waiting for you. He's like, all right, cool, cool. He ends up taking so many mushrooms. He's on stage. All I remember is the crowd is going crazy. He's pouring Jaeger down all of their throats. I don't remember any jokes. All I remember was that shit was a party. And then afterwards, Doug hung out, and I was just, by the end of it, I was like, I think we're pretty close friends now, Mr. Doug. Uh well, see, what's crazy about that is there, there's, uh, Stanhope could just do that. Stanhope could be the guy that you're like, oh, when you go and see him, it's a party, it's a and he's nice, master. and he hangs out. But then you listen to his jokes, and you're like, oh, this is next-level stand-up. Like, yeah. this guy's doing bits that like he has a whole bit on fucking GoFundMe after your kid dies no. that I'm like that's fucking genius he does a thing about gang rape that you're like it's one of the funniest jokes of how he gets to where the ending is and how he kind of sets the audience up that he's like you're either racist or you're pro gang rape so I don't know what you want to go you know right. what I mean and you're it, like, oh that's a, a mental fuck yeah it's, he can mentally fuck you, but also what you were saying, he's got the element of like, oh, this guy can go party with this guy. He's fun and enjoyable. And I think that's like that's the sign of someone that's just a phenomenal stand up comic. Like, yeah, Patrice was a guy that you wanted to win his affection through being his audience member. Right. And usually it's flipped like a guy like Patrice who were like, you're so funny. And then he didn't give a shit like he said that those those nice things about me at the contest. But right. then at the end. At the very end, uh, you know, you had to stick around to see who won. And at the end, I was like drinking at the bar at the strip and Bobby walks up and Bobby Kelly is like, yeah, hey, good job. We got fucking, you know, we got go bananas in Hesburgh Heights this weekend. I'll pick you up. Don't be fucking late. <laughs> it's like stuff like that. What is it? This has been a massive turnoff for me when it comes to comedy clubs. Can you not name them go bananas? Lucky dumps. What they Snickers? I hate. I hate it. I hate it so much. I, I understand might, it, but, I, it makes but you me, have to see how dumb the general public is that they have to name it that. Isn't it demeaning, though, when you're like, you're peak, you're headlining. Oh, my God. You worked your ass off the headline. 
at Go Bananas. I yeah, just dude. feel like it brings you back. It's like what you know, going back to hacky comedy. It's just the 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 hackiest thing about comedy is the comedy club names. Sure, but I also at the same time, and it, this sounds weird, um, but it's uh, a sign of how stand-up comedy constantly humbles you. Right. You need to be humble to be a great stand-up comedian. Like, unless yeah. you're otherworldly like Patrice or Chappelle or, you know, Louie, I think you need to be like, oh, shit, yeah, this th- that's what it is about repeating jokes. You'll do right. a joke on the Friday early show that'll fucking murder, and then you'll do the same joke on the Friday late show, and they won't laugh, and you'll be like, well, what the fuck? Why, why are you guys mad at me? Because it's like, oh, yeah, right. you, you got you to get humbled. But again, the Patrice thing, he said all those nice things. And then I'm talking to Bobby. And then Patrice walks up because he's giving Bobby a ride home. And I was like, hey, Patrice, man, that meant a lot to me. You're like one of my favorite comedians. And the fact that you said that. And he just like looks me up and down. And he goes, ugh. And then just walks out. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's uh, that's how you fucking keep someone humble. Patrice, Mr. Patrice, I will be on a show called Billions one day, yeah. sir. You're gonna see. You're gonna see me play 14th on the call sheet and be pretty decent at reacting to news. Well, he won't actually see it. He I is know. deceased, which is quite yeah. unfortunate. Uh, that is, dude. When it comes, speaking of pro wrestling, man, what have you been getting into lately? Because I have been in love with AEW. I mean, I love. I will always love WWE. But have you been watching like what they've been up to with AEW creatively? AEW Dark, AEW. What they I um, this pandemic has really made me like. I was already an AEW fan, right? But and I, again, the WWE is the reason why I'm a wrestling fan. It's the reason I love it. It's the reason I'll, I'll always go back to it. I'll always. always go back to it. I'll always go back to the main four pay-per-views i'll watch raw if i got nothing going on i'll watch smackdown on a friday night if i'm home aew gives me the same feeling i had in the late 90s early 2000s when i was like excited about wrestling where i was like this is fucking fun they're doing weird shit they're doing like uh they're they're not afraid to be funny like with orange cassidy but then then there's also still like a lot of fun they're just doing they're they're doing wrestling the way it's meant to be which is they're they're calling it pro wrestling they're like yeah this isn't sports entertainment we're pro wrestlers yeah this is what we do and i love it and and i the second i knew they were they were going to do better than the wwe it was the first dynamite without audiences where they had the heels on one side the baby faces on the other and i was like this is what wrestling is this is exactly if i if i were playing with my hasbro wwf action figures when i was nine years old right and i wanted to make a crowd i would do one side bad guys one side good guys and it's weird to say that but that kind of thought process is why aew is successful through the pandemic you got to pepper in some ninja turtles in there too you got to have shredders the bad guy you got to get your turtles in there they can wrestle too they can move for the main event i'll sprinkle in some fucking x-men you know cyclops (laughs) is around uh wolverine 2 you know in the blue and yellow but yo bro you're you're right though when it comes to the crowds what do you like it's a mind fuck right now right like the, obviously they have as you said sort of the employees the, the wrestlers who aren't wrestling that match they'll out there, or that show they'll be out there cheering and stuff i feel like wrestling it, it it was a hell of an experiment and i suppose it's kind of working but when it comes to like stand up when it comes to other entertainment damn man crowds this is the the biggest ego boost of this entire pandemic has been for the crowds when crowds come back they're going to be like see we really are important we're not just pretentious assholes screaming at people who can do things better than we can ever imagine doing it we're needed yeah there's going to be a lot of like they're going to be like did you miss us did you like yeah i missed you you. i missed you collectively not individually (laughs) collectively sure I think it's uh, I haven't done any Zoom shows. I just don't think it. I don't think it works. I don't understand why why anyone would. Yeah, because it. it's just a video conference without the response. Yeah, it's just like, and if I hear you guys laugh, I, you can't tell how hard a laugh is unless you're in the room. It's a weird. It's a very weird thing. But I definitely think uh, crowds coming back will feel good because yes. watching the last dance. Dude. I was like, uh, you know what actually fucked me up is they re-aired the Royal Rumble on Monday Night Raw. The most recent? Yeah, like Where right Edge when the comes pa- out and shit. Yeah, 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 right when the pandemic happened. Yeah. Right when everything got like I'm talking about that week when like Italy was locked down and then the next week we're locked down. Right. 
like that the third week of March, like last week of March, yeah. they showed that. And I remember feeling weird seeing a crowd that large. Yeah. I was like, look at all those fucking people together, all together in the same place. And I wonder when it how long it's going to take until we feel like that is regular again. Where you're like, oh, yeah, it, it, it'll take three beers. Every, you think so? It'll take three beers. As soon as you show up in the crowd. Yeah, you're going to be like, oh, my God, that's right. Three beers, one trip to the bathroom. You come back to your seat. Nothing has changed. The human yeah. brain forgets so damn fast. It's ridiculous. You can be in solitary confinement for 15 years and get out and all of a sudden be at Chick-fil-A and be like, oh, yeah, that's right. I've always been here. You know, what's crazy is that's a really good point. I, before I moved to New York, I worked at a Bed Bath & Beyond in Tucson. Would you like the soap, man? <laughs> oh, hey, man. What are I, you talking about? Bed Bath & Beyond, the last thing I think about, you are not a girl. You're not attractive. I do not want to see you when I walk into a Bed Bath & Beyond. Ben, someone's got to stock the comforters, all right? <laughs> someone's got to fucking climb the ladder with the down comforters and put them at the top of those high-ass shelves. <laughs> They must have had you working like all those jobs. Like, Dan, can you come up here? I can't reach this. I hated it. I immediately when they hired me in the front, I was so when I was in the front of the of the store, you know, and I had my name tag and I'd like walk around and I was restocking. <laughs> I was it, uh, I worked at a radio station at night. I worked at KFMA in Tucson and I would work at Bed Bath and Beyond during the day. And so I would I would do the overnights. So I'd get done at KFMA at like 2 a.m. And then I'd come home and wake up at 7.30 a.m. to go to Bed Bath & Beyond. Oh, my God. If on Friday mornings, uh, Thursday nights in Tucson were the open mic at Laughs. So I would do Laughs open mic and then just get fucking hammered because I didn't have KFMA. And Friday mornings, I was always brutally hungover at Bed Bath & Beyond. <laughs> brutally hungover. What I always so you're supposed to say hello to every customer at Bed Bath and Beyond. Oh my you're god! You're supposed to you're supposed to ask them. Uh, this is what it is. You're supposed to ask every customer how you can help them. I walked into one Bed Bath and Beyond my entire life, and that engagement made me feel so uncomfortable. I pressure bought a bar of soap. <laughs> not lying and i left and i was like i can't i cannot deal with it <laughs> i um i hated it i hated it i hated it i hated walking up to people being like how is everything because i would be i would have a push cart you know full of like 12 down comforters those big ones in the yeah. bag and then i'd have to go up this long fucking uh like stair ladder and get to the top and put it so eventually I ended up just disappearing to the middle spot of Bed Bath & Beyond where they keep everything, like all the candy bars and shit. I would just <laughs> go sit in there. And then eventually I just stopped asking people if they needed help. And finally, <laughs> finally, my boss was like, yeah, you don't you're not good. You're not good at this. And I was like, no, I hate this. This sucks. Yeah. And he's like, well, I don't want to fire you. He's like, because we need employees. And I was like, yeah, I don't want to quit. I just this sucks. And he's like, well, we have an opening in the back to unload trucks. And I was like, yes, perfect. And he's like, yeah, you know, you have to come in a half hour earlier, but you leave a half hour earlier, too. And I'm like, yeah, let's fucking do it. That's perfect. Yeah, dude. So that's what I did for like seven months is I just unloaded trucks in the back of Bed Bath and Beyond. And I worked with people. First of all, that manager needs to be fired. I'm sorry, Dan. But yeah. you, Bed Bath & Beyond, hello, how may I help you? It's just no one wants to see guys like us. When I worked no at one. Burger King, they wouldn't even put me at the register. They said that you would scare the customers. I said, what the hell? They put a woman who was who was quite large. She was working the register because they said she knew how to say hello. I swear to yeah. God. And I'm in there making the freaking <laughs> large chicken sandwiches, eating chicken tenders, which is why I got fired. <laughs> but I was like, what do you mean? I can't be the face of Burger King. That is, they, they put us in the back. There has been a skill of mine my entire life where I have been uh, in the wrong job at the wrong time Perfect. with the wrong skills, and I am my my secret ability is my likability that I do not get fired. Every restaurant I've worked at, I should have been fired. I've been yep. caught eating food off plates. I've been <laughs> caught fucking everything wrong. There was a secret shopper that I just didn't pay any attention to, and I was kind of a dick. Didn't get fired. Uh, it's amazing. And well, the I, I secret, honestly, secret shoppers. Might be white guy privilege. Also might be a fucking dude who knows how to schmooze with the manager where they're like, I like this guy. I'm not going to fucking fire him. Dude, secret shopper. The lamest undercover detective in the world. Anyone that's ever been a secret shopper, you're a snitch. I yeah. hate the entire job. I hate the whole idea. I didn't even think of that. I don't I want to be friends with anyone that was a secret shopper because no. you're a fucking narc. What are you doing? 
What are you? Did you not know what are you, Donnie fucking Brasco of Ponderosa? What are you doing? You got to go deep undercover to bust someone at Target, you fucking asshole. Well, they they... didn't say hello to me when I was in the aisle looking at shotguns here at Walmart to blow my fucking head off uh, because I'm so depressed. I'm a secret shopper for a living. Dude, it's so funny because they... So at Bed Bath & Beyond, they would get – it was me and this old southern dude from Missouri. By the way, Dan, did they ever tell you what's beyond? Because my understanding is it's mostly Bed & Bath, and then I didn't see anything about the stars. I saw nothing about Mars. I have – what's the beyond? There's no beyond. I would say the beyond that they use in that is scales. <laughs> That's And that could be bath. So we don't even know what it is. Um Perfect. But I would say scales and tchotchkes that you could keep around the house. Things that make you depressed. Yeah, end table tchotchkes or the beyond. So we would have me and this one uh, older southern dude, and then we had a guy that, like, we would unload the boxes and stack them, and then he would go stock them, and that was, like, kind of like the system. So this one guy, the third guy quit, so we started having these people that were just, like, you know, temps would just come in and work. They'd just, like, do, you know, a couple days at at Bed Bath & Beyond. And I worked with this dude from New Orleans, this, uh, this black dude with a fake leg. Ooh. And I was like, what? I was like, what happened to your leg? You had like a metal leg. He's like, oh, well, you know, like I'm diabetic and uh, I was on a, I was on a roof in Katrina for for four days Damn. and they had to take my leg. And I was like, what the fuck? And then we like w- like at lunch, we went there was a Schlotsky's deli in the parking lot. We like went to Schlotsky's deli nice. and me and this guy like hung out for the whole week. Uh, his name's Andre. He was cool as fuck. And he was a guy where I was like, man, what a good dude. He's living in Tucson now. And I was like, oh, you got dis-, you know, he's like, I got displaced because of Katrina. Mm. Point being about the human memory. This guy lived on a fucking roof for four days and could talk to me about Madden for three days in a row without ever bringing it up. If I lived yep. on a roof for three days, I feel like I would just tell everybody all the time. Just like I lived on a roof. I was fucked. <laughs> But you like it's a nice human- get out of free jail card because it's like, oh, I took a piss in public. I lived on a roof for four days. Yeah. Be like, all right, all right, all right. You're all actually right. doing better. You're taking a piss on the ground now. Good job. We're acclimating you back inside. But he, he really was like, it was one of those things where, oh yeah, you forget. He was just like living a regular life. He's like, yeah, I got a fucking, I got a metal leg. And I fucking work at Bed Bath Beyond this week. Yeah, man. Well, it's those stories, honestly, that keep us, I think, motivated throughout all of this madness. Uh, no one really understand. Well, people do understand, but New York sucks during all of this. I know a lot of the other places suck. Just being stuck inside in your apartment. Yeah. Do you ever feel like? Because I was a little bit of a criminal growing up. We used to steal a lot of cigarettes. We used to drive crazy amounts of fucked up. Thank God, I never hurt anyone. Um, yeah. But I felt like, oh, I'm in home confinement. I'm I'm under house arrest like a lot of my friends were in high school, which all that means is you get to go over to their place. And I remember my buddy figured out a way where he could still drink if he put a cloth between the ankle bracelet so it wouldn't pick up. Because this was the 90s. It was like it, it, they did not have this tech. The, the ankle bracelet at this point may have well have been attached uh, to a drug dealer. It was basically just a glorified beeper. And it yeah. would go off when he was sober. So he was just like, no, we can get hammered. Don't worry about it. I figured this out. And also, if it goes off, they just call. And I'll just pretend to be super sober and be like, it was a mistake. What was it monitoring that would make it go Blood off? alcohol. His back. Blood oh, alcohol dude. content. So he had some Deweys. Well, I think it was that. Yeah, it was that. And we all had to go. When I got my DUI when I was, uh, what, 18, something like that, Damn. I had to go to an alcohol, one of these uh, alcohol assessment courses. This class was crazy because I'm in there being like, yeah, I got busted for driving drunk in a parking lot in college. It was the least I've ever driven drunk. Ironically, I was the DD. I only had three beers, but I was underage. I was also 370 pounds. So the cop pulls me over. I got my friends in the car with me. I got laundry in the back of my trunk, um, which for some reason didn't shut. So I had that with bungee cords. I mean, I looked like true trash. And uh, the cop was like, can walk a straight line? And I said, I couldn't do that if I was sober. I'm huge. But of course, that was a big mistake. Then they went and they took blood. I ended up blowing like 0.7 or something like that. Nothing crazy. Again, I was relative. I was sober by legal standards, but I was underage. So I had to go to this class. And so I'm sitting there telling my dumb little story. Like, I don't give a crap. I'm going to go get hammered later tonight. There was like three people in there who killed people. And the way that they spoke, the levity in their heart talking about how they kill people and i was like you guys why are we in the same class you need to be in a much more intense class than me 
Yeah, dude, they're they're AP fucking alcohol, <laughs> alcohol. You're fucking, you're just <laughs> yeah. a begin, you're pre, you're like you're pre-algebra and they're trigonometry. They're yeah, fucking, dude. that's crazy. There was, um, I always thought it was funny because uh, when you found out one of your friends was an alcoholic, when you'd get in their car and they'd be like, "Hold on, real quick." <laughs> <laughs> then they start their car and you go, "Oh, do you got one of the blowers?" <laughs> Damn, dude, you fucking, you're a real alcoholic. My dad was an alcoholic and I didn't know how many DUIs he got until i until he died like way after he died and then yeah. i was kind of like going through paperwork and i found some stuff i was like damn dude i didn't know my dad had multiple duis and you're like how well, old yeah. you, how old were you when your dad died i was 14 oh damn that's a stinger man yeah he was 48 but you didn't like duis back in the day were kind of like you got a dui don't go any you know like duis in wisconsin were not even a slap on the wrist really it just got you an escort home you got treated like the president there were two cop cars behind you one in front of you make it clear the way we have a drunk clear the way they would bring you to your house i remember when they started cracking down all of a sudden because wisconsin got very serious about drinking and driving okay i understand i understand um but so many of my dad's friends we're just getting, or my friend's dad's rather, we're getting DUIs being like, what the fuck? I have been Dude. going to Pete's Tavern for yeah. 30 years, driving home every day doing this. You never think about those guys, the guys never. that didn't didn't see DUIs coming, and they're just like, well, I get fucked up at the bar, and then I drive home for dinner. And they're like, now you have to pay $3,000. And you're like, for getting fucked up and doing the thing I do every night? And now it's so intense. You get a huge fine, lose your license, the whole nine, man. They throw the book at you these days. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra. Just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yeah, dude, that was the one thing where, um, you know, knock on wood, I was very lucky that I uh, didn't get a DUI in Tucson because that was a thing where it's like everything's far away. Mm -hmm. And so I would and I was drinking heavy. And so I'd be like, ah, when I moved to New York, my alcoholism was like, let's go. Here we go. Oh, my New York is the you can't get a DUI on your own feet. You can't dude. But you you stop boozing, though, right? You haven't had a drink. I remember when you stopped you and Giannis Pappas. I ran into you on Fifth Avenue. This must have been seven years ago. And I remember Giannis was sober. And this must have been like the first like maybe like month or something that you weren't drinking anymore because I was like, I want to let's go get a drink or whatever. And then you're like, no, I'm not drinking anymore. I was like, oh, that's cool. But that was that's like you must be sober now for like seven years. Yeah, it was seven years. Uh, it was seven years in March. I hit uh, 2013 was when I stopped. But it was. Was it because of the old man? Was it just like, oh, I'm getting older now. I don't want to be sure. in, in the grave at 48. Yeah, I think it was like multiple things. I think it was like I was severely depressed. I didn't uh, know why I was like depressed all the time. I wasn't going to therapy. I was just fucking I was just drinking every night like fucking eight to 14 drinks and just get fucking I would drink until I I, until I'd wake up the next morning. That was just how it was. I would just like go until I wouldn't really black out, but I would like get home. I wouldn't really remember shit. I'd gray out and then right, right. It's a good way to put it, yeah. And then, uh, like, I had a conversation with uh, Giannis, and he was like, you should get into therapy, dude. And I was like, eh, I don't know about that. And I got into therapy, and I had tried to quit drinking several times, several fucking times. And finally, I got into therapy, and my therapist was like, yeah, you're an alcoholic. Like, you're a full-on alcoholic. You need to quit drinking. And I was like, nah, maybe I just drink beer. And he was yeah. like, no. Nah. Well, this guy was definitely not from the Midwest, because that is being sober, just switching to Miller Lite. Yeah, well, then I always smoked weed my whole life. And so when I quit drinking, I just kept smoking weed. And then Annie Letterman taught me the term California sober. And I was like, 
that that sounds about right. Is it microdosing on yeah, acid? I mean, I'll do that. I'll do mushrooms. <laughs> I, I still do. I still do hallucinogenics. Okay, this is my only thing because I I did dry January and I was doing really really well at the start of this year and now you know because of the quarantine whatever I should probably come yeah. back again. The only thing with weed, if it's not sativa and if it's not the exact strain that I need, it makes me feel like, uh, oh shit, I can't believe I did that in seventh grade. And then in order to counteract that, I got to go get a tall boy. So sometimes sure. weed triggers my need for beer. Um, and that really is my, I just love beer, which is why I'm like way too overweight right now. But that's my only issue with the weed diet or with the weed sober. Sometimes it makes my brain desperately want alcohol so I can feel, I guess, confident. I'm, I would say I'm the opposite of you. I used to, when I was drinking hard, if I like... If I do a couple shots, I would love a shot with a beer back, and I'd go outside. And if someone had a joint, and I would take a couple hits off the joint, I wouldn't want to drink anymore. I'd be like, really? "Oh, I'm cool." I'd be like, "I want to go get snacks. Let's just go get snacks, and let's not, uh, let's not drink anymore." It was always my way of that. Was I always called it the ripcord? I was like, "I'm gonna pull the ripcord. I'm gonna go outside and get high." But it didn't get you. But okay, so I can smoke weed and then drink and then smoke weed. But if I drink and then smoke weed. I get the spins. I feel like I'm on the Gravitron. I feel like, did I pay five bucks to get on this ride? I'm about to vomit all over somebody's mother. Uh, I, I get crazy in the head. I used to uh, used to get that way when I was like a teenager. But then as I got older, I would just, you know, I, I could get, I, I knew that getting high meant I was about to stop drinking. So it was like a good, like a cabin bar. We'd yeah. be drinking at cabin till. I was working at cabin. I was bouncing there. I remember that. I remember that. I remember you would let me keep my PBRs right there on the fucking door <laughs> when I went outside to smoke a cigarette. And because Big J lives right there. He lives right on fifth and second. And uh, I, I walk by now. It's like going to be a new restaurant. Yep. And it's weird. Because it's not seeing cabin bar that brings up the memories. It's the door. It's the doorway into the apartment complex to the left of cabin. All right. That I that I would say I spend a majority of my time at cabin because I would be standing outside with like Chris Laker and and smoking cigarettes, just yep. like waiting to go on, and then going in. That's where we'd smoke weed. It was just like a lot of like I remember walking around the block with. Kumail and his wife Emily yep. smoke smoking a one hitter, and then it's weird to see him on like Muscle Fitness magazine, and he's just fucking dude. Kumail Nanjiani, of course, you all know him, Stuber. Yeah, he, he's Stu from Stuber, I believe. But that dude, talk about jacked, dude. God, I don't know, super jacked. He is so buff. I remember we had a show. Not to make this Uncle's Corner, we had a show. I remember when, yeah, but yeah. Eddie and I used to do a show at a place called Pianos, and it was in the back area. Pianos was a pretty dope little spot on the Lower East Side. The lineup yeah. was Sean Patton, Kumail Nanjiani, Pete Holmes. Uh, maybe you were actually on that. Nate Bargatze. Uh, um, oh my God, there was a, another heavy hitter on there. And then you look back and you're like, that's a that's a thousand dollar ticket show right now, it's and that crazy, was just man. free. They got two free drinks, and that's what yeah. they got to perform. I'm pretty sure. Uh, Kumail gave me his drink, so I had four free drinks, and I was like, "He's a pretty nice guy, pretty good dude, dude." I remember, <laughs> I remember, uh, the, like those lineups when we first moved to New York and started up. I remember a Creek in the Cave, Kingdom of Heaven open mic lineup with that Jay was, Fah, John F. O'Donnell, and Timmy from the Whitest Boys You Know, yep. and it was the lineup was like. Uh, me, Joe List, Mark Norman, Jesse Pop, Vince Averill, Matt McCarthy, uh, Rory Scovel, Kumail, uh, Dan Bolger from Boston. It was like all these guys that Crazy. were like, Jesus Christ, those are all fucking unbelievable headliners. And of course, you mentioned the We Watch Wrestling dudes. Check out their podcast. Yeah. After you listen to Kind of Fun, listen to We Watch Wrestling. Kind of. Listen, every wrestling fan knows you can mark out for everybody. You oh, can absolutely. go You can go get some David Shoemaker. You can go get some fucking <laughs> We Watch Wrestling. <laughs> Yeah, though I'm excited. Uh, Dan Saint Germain. Oh, also watch. Uh, yeah, or you have Dan Saint Germain's wrestling podcast. Uh, Total F and Marks. But they um, Saint Germain texted me after that AEW. I knew it was a good pay per view because he texted me. He's like, "Hey man, first pay per view with an audience. We, we got to go. We got to get out there for AEW." And I'm like, "Fuck yeah, dude!" Oh, dude. You were at, you were at the first Double or Nothing, and so was I in Vegas, just, baby. We were. Isn't that crazy? That dude, was a year ago. I. It's so sad. Some people are like, oh, I want everything to open up. I want to go hiking. Or I guess you could go hiking now, but I want to go to Disney World. I want to go back to the casinos. All I want to do is go back to a casino. Yeah. Some, oh, do I have a gambling problem? No, I don't have a gambling problem. I got to make in money. I got to make in money desire. Yeah. You know how to make that money. I mean, yes, you do lose a lot of money, but you do make some, and it's about being positive. 
That Vegas trip was so dope. First of all, I learned never go alone. I was there for three days. I remember I'm having a final lunch at a Hooters, and I take uh, and I text Marcus and Henry, and I'm like, "Hey guys, we have a show coming up in uh, in Toronto or wherever Montreal, wherever the West Coast plays, Vancouver." Yeah. So we have a show coming up in Vancouver. That's already on the west side, uh, on the west coast. Maybe I should just stay. Maybe I should just stay for a few more days. Yeah. And they're like, get on a fucking plane and get yeah. back to New York. And as soon as I got on the plane, something like cleared up in my mind, like a Stephen King fucking, like it yeah. was dead. The sun was, I was like, oh, that's right. Reality. It's still Dude. here because Vegas, I'll never forget. I'm walking around. It's five o'clock in the morning. I haven't slept probably 24 25 hours and i see a grown man he's got a goatee probably 50 years old openly weeping at a slot machine and i'm like and i looked at him and i just started laughing and he saw that i was laughing which then made him cry harder and then i was like i can't just laugh at this man so then i started just walking towards whatever because there's just so many lights and bing bong sounds and i'm like that was the funniest damn thing i've ever seen i just want that guy's story but i'm assuming he just lost his kid's childhood Yeah, you don't know about the sadness. What's crazy <laughs> about bad. Las Vegas is I used to, um, when I went to college at the University of Arizona, I had a fake ID. I had a really good fake ID. And I had, it was my friend's brother's driver's license and my friend's brother's identification card. So I had two forms of ID and it looked exactly like me or close enough to me that I could go up to Vegas and gamble when I was 19. Perfect. I could just I could just drive up there. But what money did you have? None. But I would have like a hundred dollars, and I'd just go play like four hands of blackjack. And if I won one, I, I remember thinking the way I did the math was every time I'd win, I'd be like, "Oh, that's another hand. That's another free drink." And then I would occasionally take a five dollar <laughs> chip and put it to the side to tip the waitresses, so I could keep getting drunk. Oh, you're a good man with the five dollar tip, even Got though it. you had no money. I've seen people rake in tons of cash. I'm like, throw twenty five at the at the damn dealer, would you? Dude, yeah, really blow her mind. Give her a fucking purple. Give a oh waitress a purple, goodness. a big wow. old 500. But they, um, I remember going up to Vegas and it, like, as I got older and I became 21, I'd go out there and I was just drinking and we fucking go for it. We, we, me and my friends would always meet up there the weekend, the first weekend of the NCAA tournament. Oh, that's what I want to go for. We'd go, we'd stay at like Harrah's and we'd be there like Thursday to Sunday. And oh, so we yeah. just stay and just get fucking, that's the perfect amount of time to go to Vegas. It's Thursday yes. to Sunday. But, dude, I went back for a, I got hired in 2014 for a private gig. And my agent was like, it's in Vegas. And I was like, I don't like that. I quit drinking a year ago. Like, I don't right. really, I've, I haven't been to Vegas since I stopped drinking. And he's like, you'll love it. It's still Vegas. You're just not going to drink. And I was like, yeah, you're right. The gig was at, like, this really rich guy was having like a week of partying and he wanted a comedian. And How brutal are these gigs? Like the little, the solo gig like that sucks. It sucks. It's like, um, it's like private lap dances. That's just what you're doing. You're just doing a private lap dance. And so the guy was like, you know, it was in his suite at the hotel for like him and 20 of his buddies. And originally he was like, why don't you do an hour? And I told him, I told my agent, I'm like, dude, an hour in that situation just won't work. It won't fly. So the guy was finally like, all right, cool, 20, and I'll knock off like a 1,000. So it was still like a good deal for me to go out there. And he's like, and I'll get the guy. He got me a room. He got me a room at the oh, same. Nice. Really nice room. Really nice room at the Mirage. And I was like, this is great. I went and did the gig. Dude, showing up in Vegas, not drinking, I was like, this town fucking sucks. It was just all the blinking and everything that was going on. And I was yep. like. I fucking hate this. I hate Vegas. Without drinking, I hate Vegas. Well, because you got to be numb, so then it yeah. just seems normal. If it's 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 a lot going on, dude. It was a lot going on. I remember I went. Uh, my girlfriend at the time came with me. We stayed in the room and just watched TV and ordered food. And then I went and did the gig. And I came back, and that was that. And we were just there for one day. But when I went back last year for fucking uh, wrestle for uh, double or nothing. Yeah. It was one of those things where I hated everything except being at the banquet hall where Starcast Sure. Uh, where Starcast 2 was happening. Yep. So I'd go hang out at Starcast and just see wrestlers and it was just being around wrestlers like I remember walking by Tomatonga and just being like that's fucking insane. Like there's yeah, all this bro. crazy shit. And then Double or Nothing, and I left the morning after Double or Nothing, and I'm glad I did, because it was like... See, you did it right, because I had... Well, actually, I don't know. You did it different than I did it. I think yeah. by... Uh, yeah. 
you know, I like to partake in a little bit. I texted you like, hey, are you going to the wrestling thing or what? are you going to double or nothing? And you're like, yeah. And then I would just get sporadic Kissel texts throughout the <laughs> thing of like, I'm at Caesars. And I'm like, oh, I'm not I'm not near Caesars. And you're like, I'm at the poker table. And I'm like, I, I, I don't know, man. I'm going home. Yo, man, I like my clubs. You know, I like to go to my yeah. adult establishments. The, dude, I went to this one club in Vegas. Swear to God, it was $2 by lights. At 7 p.m., they turned to $18. That's crazy. And it was like, what the? But thankfully, I got there at 3 p.m. because I'm a fucking total loser. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, right now it's too expensive. I got to go. But, man, yeah, Vegas, you're right, dude. I I learned a lesson. I didn't go too crazy. But next yeah. time, I'm definitely going with friends. Hopefully, someone who is sober as well. It's I, I think it's like uh, what was great is after Double or Nothing, like I would see St. Germain and Michael Lawrence during the day of StarCast because they were doing like a lot of stuff. Like they were uh, moderating some conversations. I think it's like St. Germain hosted the Brett. Uh, the, better, the Brett Hart thing, yeah. Yeah, he like hosted that. There was like a bunch of cool shit they were doing. Mm -hmm. But afterwards, the people I went out with were me, uh, Funches, Mike Lawrence, and Dan St. Germain, and Scott Chaplin. Ron Funches, of course. Very nice guy. Great. They're all great. All super funny, great dudes. And we just went and ate at Outback, and that was like our partying. And so we like ate at <laughs> Bro, Outback Steakhouse. You should have had a little bit more time with me. You can't just be hanging around the Blooming Onion when oh, you're in dude, that's Vegas. What that's what we did. I, got I was whole... hanging around Blooming Onions, but they were not edible. <laughs> you're just seeing assholes open up. <laughs> Yo, but just lastly, man, speaking of double or nothing, the power of wrestling yeah. was shown in Cody versus dusty man the um, Rhodes brothers match you can't even describe it crowds were cr the whole crowd was crying it was dustin, crazy dustin is covered in blood which was a great he had the red mask it, it was so beautiful that match was maybe the most powerful thing i have ever seen in the arts it was great watching an entire stadium of people or an entire arena of people just be like <sighs> Just that, like, holding breath. Everyone was like, yeah, man. He had the line where he's like, I don't need a partner. I need a brother. brother. And oh. Everyone was like, oh, my God. Brother's got a hug. Dude, that was it, man. That popped <laughs> everyone. Crazy. Everyone was like, oh, my God. Everyone oh. was, dude, they had 60,000 people. Or however, I don't even know what that place filled. But yeah. tens of thousands of people openly weeping. And I was like, that is why wrestling is so badass and you like if you watch wrestling on tv you're like all right cool but you got to go once live and then you'll be hooked yeah. i guarantee you'll be hooked yeah absolutely go live it's it's pretty and go see comedy live because i think comedy live is better than you know even if we're repeating the jokes it can be different enough that like i said you'll see one crowd react to it a different way i think we're both excited for crowds to get back dude cannot freaking wait and uh, we don't know what's going on with August yet for our tour. We had to cancel a whole book tour for uh, what was that? What was the month that was supposed to be in April? We had this. Yeah. We had this whole tour van. We had or this bus with our faces on it and shit, feeling like Britney Spears and whatnot. I was like, oh Dude. my god! And of course, a pandemic has to hit. Of course, it was honestly Kissel. It's just so funny to see guys like you know you, Henry, and Marcus going on the road, filling out these massive places. Ugly finally, motherfuckers. Finally, I was selling out comedy clubs after my HBO special came out, and then a fucking pandemic came along. It was like, suck my dick. Of course. Go sit inside. Speaking like, of being humbled once again. Yeah, once again. Once again. Always humbled. <laughs> oh, man. Dan Soder, thank you so much, dude. I dude, love talking with you. This is like. Talking, so, thanks so much for having me on, buddy. Yeah, bro. I'm so happy to be doing this show. It's like if you haven't listened to Soder on Roundtable of Gentlemen, go back and listen to those episodes. Like, you're just you're you're just such a great guy. Those are so. Dude, those episodes, you get drunk just by listening. If you listen in your car, you're going to get pulled over. You're going to get a DUI because it's just you can smell. You can smell the whiskey and uh, and all not even Bud Lights. Well, we, were, we were drinking like Tecates. It was buckets of Tecate. It was always oh. like three buckets of table. I mean, uh, yeah, I don't know. I got I to gotta maybe go back and listen to that. It might make me cry because of KB, but oh, damn. God. Of course. Yeah, that uh, that fuck, that was fun. It's just fun talking to you, buddy. This is yeah, good talking. Man. It's just again, I love you on all the paranormal shows. I'm seeing you. Thank you, on. you man. I'm loving you talking to aliens, and I'm loving uh, last podcast on the left. Where is so you got the bonfire on Sirius? What channel yeah. is that on? It's on Comedy Central Radio, Sirius XM 95. Um, you know, as far as we know, I I don't think Comedy Central even knows they have a fucking Sirius. <laughs> Dude, but that's. 
that goes to exactly what we were saying. If you never want to get fired, stay invisible. Then they don't even know you're there. B. Milton. Just yep. fucking take your swing line stapler oh, and just stapler. sit by the window. They, uh, they took my stapler. They took, their, they took my radio show and it was really fun to me to <laughs> talk about videos. Uh, but, dude, I love you, man. And it's been great fucking talking to you on this. Hell yeah, bro. Dan Soder, check him out. Uh, he does everything you want him to do. Watch Billions, watch a stand-up, listen to him on the bonfire with Big J. And uh, thank you all so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the LPN Show. And never forget, hail yourselves. We'll talk to you soon. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors, you can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.